The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome, everyone, to the next edition of Neo Reality Collective. I am your host, Eric Brown, and we are here with the seventh episode. We're covering the last half of this of the third week of February, and let's get right into everything. First, starting off with Daisy Ridley, you know, the character who played Ray in the movie that we don't like talking about, because at this time, we kind of gave up on Ray. She, I look at Ray's character, and I say, she's a character I really really wanted to like but I feel like they botched her so much because they were trying to make her this almost bordering on flawless like not entirely flawless like she was given some moments of humanity but she just kind of shrugs off and then just moves on to the next where I actually you know pondering it in fact I don't even know what her hobbies are as a character at this point but yeah that's probably just me like everything like the right like the character's been moved so much and yet feels so similar to what she was at the beginning it feels like i feel like i you're the same character you don't know who you are you don't know where you came from you don't know who your parents are and you're asking that over and over and over and it's like yeah if they went with the nobody route it would have been actually pretty interesting but now daisy early wants to sign on wants to be interested in playing the spider woman in sony's marvel universe so yeah there was apparently rumors going on that she would that people were interested in seeing her play Spider Woman, and she had said, "Oh yeah, I would totally love to play Spider Woman." There's no official announcements been made. A Spider Woman, a Spider Woman film is reportedly in development. It really, has been a fan favorite of the role ever since rumors swirled early last year. Here that Alyssa Vikander was being eyed for the part. Though Ridley has multiple film projects on the horizon, including Chaos Walking with Tom Holland, she has expressed that she wasn't. Sh- sure what to do with herself following the Star Wars trilogy um complain that you should have gotten better writers involved not much is known about about Spider Woman film but book smart director Olivia Wilde is potentially attached to it reports last summer stated that Wilde Wild has closed had closed a deal directing developed female centric Marvel movie speculation really started about whether the film could be indeed about Spider Woman which Wild Wild uh, seemingly confirmed when she tweeted new, with news of a spider emoji attached. Really recently spoke to USA Today, best-selling author Sarah Wilson, and about forthcoming film Chaos Walking, and finally addressed the Spider Woman rumors. Ridley claimed that they had no, she had to have no idea what about the project or potential role, but she would be happily jump into the franchise. Ridley said, "OMG, I would love to play Spider Woman, but it's more like an extended Spider-Verse thing." Uh, really also commented that she loved to pl- she loved into the Spider-Verse and has been enjoying WandaVision. WandaVision! The Spider-Woman with Holland as her co-star in Chaos Walking, 
The Spider-Woman rumors take on another layer of intrigue. Holland will return as Spider-Man and Sony and Marvel's Untitled Spider-Man 3 were directed by John Watts. Ridley also made recent headlines for her decision to stay off social media following her stepping away following the 2016 online harassment. And Ridley has no plans to return to social media and that her ability to separate her personal life from her professional life is probably owned to that decision. Yeah, after... Now, some of you will say that an opinion piece part here on this, they say that they think Ridley would be a fantastic for choice for Spider-Woman. It would be more exciting to know that she's a fan of other MCU projects, though everything is purely speculation right now. It's interesting to know that Ridley would be open to another large, huge blockbuster franchise following her past ordeal with her online harassment. Yeah, except I think that Marlon goes into the corporate management that were like, no, oh, you can't have Ray be interesting. She needs to be flawless. Or... Close to flawless because she can't fly. Sort of like that, but... Yeah. But, yeah, that, that's honestly... Yeah, that, that's honestly been my biggest gripe with this whole ordeal. But what can you do at this point with Star Wars? Like, you could reboot it if you wanted to, but then it would just cause a mess, and finally I'm just done interested in rebooting everything. So... The upcoming Mortal Kombat reboot that recently launched its trailer this Thursday they will add a new character to the franchise named Cole Young. In addition, the director has compared to the new fighters added in each of the video games. Cole will lead an ensemble cast that includes series classics like Scorpio, Sub-Zero, Jax Briggs, Sonya Blade, Lord Raiden. The new Mortal Kombat film is set to release on April 16th. Overall, the Mortal Kombat seems to be in line with the main beats of the games. From the general cast of character costumes and finishing moves, the reboot looks like to be staying loyal to the spirit of the franchise. There are some notable changes, of course, such as Kano being a hero, rather than feeling the traditional role, Jack's arms being ripped off by Sub-Zero instead of Ermac, and the addition of Cole. So, he spoke with IGN and discussed the creation of Cole Young and the role he plays in the border broader MK mythos, saying we felt it was okay to bring in a new character. Given that Mortal Kombat has over the years introduced new characters quite a bit, the video game had indeed continued to add more and more fighters to the roster over the years, growing to a total number of characters in a staggering to a staggering total. All some fans have been frustrated that Cole was added in the place of one of the many favorites, but the but the inclusion of a fighter, new fighter for the reboot does honestly make sense to, according to this piece. In particular, fans have expressed disappointment in the wake of the trailer's release not having Johnny Cage and isn't the New Johnny Cage is in the new. Cage is the only fighter from the original arcade game to not appear, and in some ways, Cole seems to be replacing Johnny Cage by providing the same outsider perspective to the tournament lore. The number of classic characters who are appearing should make the absence more readable. However, there should still be a possibility that Cage could appear in a cameo role. Oh, yeah, and it's also been stated that Sub Zero is set to be the main antagonist, which I'm mixed about. Like. Okay, I could probably buy into that. They're, the Lin Kuei have been villains at times in the Mortal Kombat series. But though that's mostly from manipulative perspectives. If anything, this kind of makes Scorpion kind of a hero. Even though he's more of a tragic character. And then he got his redemption in the reboot. In the Alter Timeline event. <laughs> yeah, that was confusing. And, yeah. Also, when I saw the trailer, it was pretty damn good. I would was wondering the whole way. How do fatalities work in this world? If you know, in the game, you can get away with the logic of the whole. Oh, they can go through all these crazy obstacles and survive and get back up right away because it's a video game. Or in Raiden's case, he's a god, so he's tougher to kill. 
Whereas in the movie, you're gonna people are gonna be like, okay, that's not that's not possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Daniel Radcliffe revealed that he thinks his acting in Harry Potter is embarrassing. Yeah. He revealed he thinks his acting in the iconic Wizarding World franchise is embarrassing. Yeah. Radcliffe was just 12 years old when he was selected to play the re-role of Harry Potter, and although he isn't widely known, his parents almost turned the opportunity down. The concern was that it would require relocating from London to Los Angeles, and the idea seemed far too disruptive for Radcliffe at such a young age. Thankfully, a compromise was negotiated, which Radcliffe agreed to a two-film contract, which production restricted to the UK, and the subsequent success of those movies made clear that Potter was here to stay, and by that point... Radcliffe was mistakenly the face of the character throughout the course of the eight film franchise fans watch Radcliffe grow up and display a significant amount of talent in the process even now years after the last film owning the franchise it's clear Radcliffe was an excellent choice to play portray Potter to many something a very few fans in the series would dispute but while his fan base is certain to defend any gripes regarding his acting Radcliffe who is surprisingly critical of his power work very surprised to everyone. While speaking with Empire recently, Radcliffe stated that he's incredibly grateful for the experience and he's intensely embarrassed by some of his acting throughout the series. It's hard to separate my relationship with Harry from my relationship with the films as a whole. It's incredibly grateful of an experience. It showed me what I want to do with the rest of my life. To find out early what you love is really lucky. I'm intensely embarrassed by some of my acting, obviously. But yeah, it's like asking, how do you feel about your teenage years? There's so much in there that it's almost impossible to single out one feeling. So, yeah, this is honestly something I can understand. Like, like you, like as much as people will say you're awesome, you're great, you will always have that nagging feeling. Like man, if only if I knew back then what I could do. If I could do that, I would have done it differently. And man, man, I did that. Wow, I really, I could have improved a little. Bit. I'm glad I improved that area. Like they're always gonna be that nagging feeling for the person themselves, even though everyone else will say you're a genius or you're a terrible terrible actor because even some people who claim their work is bad even admit sometimes their work is bad and will go ahead out of their way to admit their, their they did mistakes and wish they could have done a little bit differently so yeah props to him for saying that though <laughs> considering what's become of the author <laughs> surprised no one asked him about that that would have been a grenade to pull and would have been really weird but yeah Considering, and, and like, I don't watch Harry Potter. I've never been interested in it. But my grandmother loves it to death so much. Like, oh God, it's crazy how much she loves it. She would watch it every time they had a Harry Potter weekend. And she didn't care even if she had a streaming service that had the Harry Potter franchise in. But it was just, she loved watching it. All, she loves watching it whenever she gets the chance to. It's just insane. I never took, took the time out of my day to watch it. I don't know if I would be interested in it. I just never peaked my mind. I just wasn't really interested in it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, this... And I think there's hardly been, like, few children that would say, oh, my acting was great from the get-go when they grew up. Like, some people will say, oh, the child from Sixth Sense, that kid was awesome. I mean, he should have been little Annie and not the other kid, considering what happened. My God, that that was such problems. Oh God, I feel sorry for that for Jake Lloyd, uh, and considering what happened to him. But yeah, I was thinking to myself, well, probably that that probably uh, 
Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. He voiced Sora in Kingdom Hearts in the English version, which was awesome when I found that out. Haley J. Osment. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, you know, it's awesome if he thinks that he doesn't like he doesn't like some of his stuff he did in Sixth Sense. Like, I can un totally understand that because he was a kid then. He's older now. He can look back at his work with an objective sense and yet still feel a sense of nostalgia. Like, I, I, I don't know what I'm really trying to explain here, but... um. It's just, it's just I get what what Daniel Radcliffe is trying to say with the whole I feel a little embarrassed when I look back on my past work when I was much younger and everything. So yeah. So more talks regarding Mortal Kombat because the trailer was that awesome for many. Uh, um, they he spoke with I, the director spoke with IGN and discussed the decision to make Sub Zero the the source of Jack's trauma, saying in the film we needed to drive a few certain characters and narratives. And so, given that Jack losing his arms had been done a couple of ways in the past, he felt we had a bit of license to do that again here. We really tr we really tried to be very truthful to the tr and true to the canon where we can D. But every now and then we might deviate slightly where we felt that it was okay to do so. Yeah, like. Yeah, there are some divergences with this, and yeah, um, let's just hope those diverg those changes in the canonical system that people are used to is completely completely okay. Like I am okay with changing the source material just enough so it could work, so it could stand on its own two feet. My problem is if they change it and replace it with something stupid, then we'll have a problem. Like, like I said, this the sequel trilogy. It was practically launching a reboot franchise. They rebooted a ton of Star Wars material. It was a soft reboot, but it was still a reboot nonetheless. It's just in a softer term. And what they replaced it with were characters I personally did not feel invested in. Like, at first it looked like it was just trying to bring everyone into secure comfort. Then The Last Jedi happened, and while well, they were trying to basically be a version, like they're trying to be Kreia from Knights of the Old Republic 2, but it was so feeling like it was bitter and angry at the past and hating the characters of the old days. And while I totally agree in hating Mace Windu, because let's be real, he did not help much uh, than create more problems for Anakin's psychological issues. Uh, <laughs> I feel like making Luke not... And, and then when I read the some of the expanded edition of The Last Jedi, I was like, no. No. The opening passage ruined part of the experience for me because I was like, I don't... I think Luke would think... I don't think Luke would ever think, man, I wish I never did all those crazy things and kept the galaxy under Imperial rule. Like, it just... Like... It just bugged me when I saw that. When I saw the first part of that prologue, it was just so weird to me. So, yeah, I'm all for narrative deconstruction, but it feels like it was more about being bitter towards the past and just throwing that great history away because, oh, we need to make Ray look important. We need to give Finn some... Okay, not really care about Finn because we gave up on him after the first movie and then partially gave up halfway in the second um and then we gotta make poe unreasonable yeah and we gotta make uh the agendas go and dominate the scene and everything and, and yada 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 and blah 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 
Yeah. So, yeah, Justice League actor uh, Henry Lennox revealed that he had no idea his his human character, General Swanwick, was actually meant to be the superhero Martian Manhunter. He originated the role in director Zack Snyder's 2013 film Man of Steel, where he served as the top military official during Super uh, Wary of Superman's initial arrival on the public stage. He was something closer to an ally Snyder's follow-up, Batman v Superman, where he'd been promoted to Secretary of Defense. He didn't actually he didn't actually appear in the version of the Justice League released in theaters. That version was completely was completed by Joss Whedon after Warner Brothers part ways with Snyder midway through production. Spurred on by a massive fan campaign on social media and the overall failure of Whedon's cut, the studio is allowing Snyder to complete his vision of the film with a spiraling four-hour film. But according to an interview with Variety, Lennox didn't know Swass Swanwick was intended to be Martian Manhunter until Schneider shared the storyboards of the hero morphing into Swanwick and Martha Kent, saying, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I found out. I don't think there was any sort of advanced word. There are a lot of people who insinuated it somehow, like fans bouncing that idea around. So I don't know if somebody knew about it outside of Zach before that, but I did not know until I saw that storyboard. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is kind of amazing that, yeah, that he didn't know. It probably was going to happen at one point, right? But then, like like they said, that he left halfway through production and they reshot the film. So I feel like he was supposed to know. Zack Snyder was planning to tell him. But then all the production troubles happened and his daughter passing through tragic circumstances happened and then like everything just was like we lost complete control of everything but considering he became secretary of defense in batman v superman and he's actually uh alien from another planet i think the government would be pissed and yeah like and the government probably and considering how they now know there's aliens on our planets now especially very powerful ones, they probably were like, like, we need to prepare ourselves. We need to make sure we have no body snatchers. And then they find out one is a Martian, and, you know, because the government is idiots, and he could tell them, oh, by the way, I'm a Martian, and and I'm part of a species that's no longer around, because, insert tragedy here, like, there are various ways you could describe the Martian tragedy. It was either destroyed in a war purge a massive disease at like multiple interpretations they've done with martian manhunter and in fact on in recent times the like young justice cartoon they say oh they're still around they're still prospering but we never see martian manhunter's family except for mcgann and well i can't remember the character's name but he was in season three and i was looking at the white martians when they were kids when they showed the flashback and i'm thinking to myself those are adorable. Why are they adorable if they're considered freaks of nature by the Green Martians? That's discriminatory. So yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um Yeah, it would have been interesting to see what would have been. It could have been interesting, but I don't know what the end result was going to be. But we'll probably see a little bit of that in the in the main in the Zack Snyder movie, but probably not as much as they were originally supposed to be. But it probably would have been good. Speaking of Zack, the Star Wars novelist Drew Carpentian, 
I butchered that last name. I'm sorry. The person who has co-signed a fan suggest uh, signed on to a fan idea of Zack Snyder directing the, adapting the Dark Bane Darth Bane trilogy from the Legends canon. Uh, yeah. Saying, uh, I'm down, Zach's, at Zack Snyder, DM me. When someone asked him, uh, hey, uh, would you like to see Zack Snyder direct your movie? Direct your books? Saying, um, Ryan Hill, so there's usually Ryan Hill wrote this after, beforehand. Okay, hear me out. Film adaptation of the Dark Bane trilogy di- directed by Zack Snyder and co-written by Snyder and Drew, I can't pronounce his last name probably. Here's my thing. I like Snyder, Snyder a lot, and if there's one thing you could do, it's write characters. If he could do better. He's not awful, but he could do better. Drew, on the other hand, is great at writing characters. However, to my knowledge, he has never written a movie. Writing a book is generally easier than writing a movie because you don't have to limit yourself to a certain length. You can have multiple subplots and take all the time you need to see them through to the end. Writing a movie is much harder because you don't have, want to, it to be too long. long and de, and someone named Phil Minto, who did a great job explaining this in his Crimes of Grindelwald video, is not in the, and Drew wrote, co-wrote it. Each of them brings something to the table that the other doesn't. So, yeah, and he said, after we're seeing this tweet, seeing this thread, saying, uh, I'm down, at Zack Snyder, DM me. I would honestly be interested. Like, I look at Zack Snyder, it's like, he does have great ideas, he does have a good concept he wants to go with, I feel like he could have written characters better, or he could have gotten someone who can help with that. Like, he does have a co-writer with Chris Gennaro, I think, with Justice League, Snyder Cut, and some other projects he's worked with. But I've also felt, um, yeah, uh, you, like, I look at Zack Snyder and I think he is a very good action movie set piece director. But when it comes to characters, he probably can make a story, but the characters and execution, that's probably the issue outside of those massive action set pieces styles that he can deliver with. Like, if you were to combine, um, like, a director who's known for great characters, and if they're trying to make an action scene, they'll probably not be good at it and directing it. But if you guide them Zack Snyder in a co-directing position and just directed all the action set pieces, they would knock it out of the park, I think, if they did it right. So, he has discuss- Snyder has discussed his love of Star Wars movies before, but last year suggested he won't direct anything. He doesn't know how I fit into Star Wars anymore. Maybe took this to me. He feels his darker, more R-rated take on comic movies doesn't align with the franchise. However, Rogue One. However, some people. However, he says, "Okay, this is what he said." He says, "I don't." He doesn't know how I fit into the Star Wars universe anymore. And many thought, "Oh, this means he's talking about how because he's more darker in his comic book movie take on comic book movies and whatnot are." <sighs> If I had to describe it, I think it's more like he, I'm pretty sure I could have made really wrong about this. So just take this with grain of salt. But is it because he probably doesn't want another issue like he had with Warner Brothers with all the production troubles and all the issues and creative differences they were having? Because let's be real, HBO Max and fan petitions and because Warner Brothers needs that, needs that fat, sweet Though, they wouldn't have made that movie come to life again. But, Disney is a little bit more oppressive than Warner Bros. can be. 
And I think that's where the big difference is. That that's just my two cents though. Oh, but I I felt like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like that that's the big issue. Like Disney has a much more oppressive monopoly on the market. That it feels like if he, if he, if they did that, it probably wouldn't work out with Zack Snyder working with them. And considering how his movies are not in line with Disney's viewpoint that it must be at least PG-13 and no smoking because that's offensive. I'm like, I'm not saying smoking isn't bad. Like I know the repercussions that come with smoking, like damaging to your lungs. But I was thinking like, no one's really making it look cool. They're just smoking like it's a normal thing. They're not going out and saying, you should take drugs. You should take drugs. It's just, oh, this person smokes. Okay. Like, if someone actually was like, I feel inspired by them to smoke, I would probably find that's a problem here. And it's not the movie's fault. So, anyways, um, so, I, the director of Mortal Kombat, because he's virtually everywhere, <laughs> so, yeah, he revealed that, yeah, Sub-Zero, which serve as the main villain in his Mortal Kombat film. Seeing that Sub-Zero pursuing a new character named Cole Young for no reasons leading to Cole and the others to Outworld in the Mortal Kombat tournament, the director spoke about the opening scene of Mortal the film's recent release trailer which sees Sub-Zero brutally kill destroy Jack's arms. The director said it was essential to introduce Sub-Zero to show what the character was really capable of and how he was in complete control of the situation. He went on to say that Sub-Zero would be the key villain of the film oh, and behind Sub-Zero heavily inspired here, this film's version of the Ice Ninja. However, his previous comments revealed that Sub-Zero revealed that this is the version of the character would differ from the video game portrayals. While Sub-Zero and Scorpion's bitter rivalry remains an integral part of the film, it will appears like it will, quote, retcon certain aspects of Sub-Zero's mythology. This version seems much more overtly aggressive and seems to be one who started the bad blood between the two ninjas. Whereas in the canon, at least as far as I'm aware, it was Quan Chi that manipulated certain events, disguised himself as Sub-Zero, killed, killed Hanzo Hirashi's family, and leading to this dark path, leading to this intense rivalry that would go on for over 20 years, and having fun, and merchandising, and exploiting it for all they could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, while Bihan Sub-Zero was generally portrayed as a villain, his central conflict was rooted in revenge on behalf of the Lin Kuei. Hey, while it appears like this Sub-Zero isn't Bihan exactly, he certainly leans more heavily towards the version of the character's brutality and cold demeanor. Still, many things are unknown, but we'll be probably getting those answers when the movie releases. And, yeah, the director also teased the idea of a brutal, nasty fight between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Saying this in an interview with IGN... It's really about seeing Scorpion's evolution on the screen and the in ingredients, both emotional and physical, as to why he becomes Scorpion. And so that is to explain across the opening of our film, and it's a pretty brutal, nasty fight. So... Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Though, some of you were kind of mixed about his iconic um, voice. Okay, so I, I just got back from something. So if you notice something off with the recording, just stopping and restarting. Yeah, there was a, a, someone accident. The door accidentally opened and it triggered the alarm. Uh, sorry about that, everyone. Uh, uh, if it's been so, yeah, uh, I had to cut some parts out. 
before the interruption happened. But as I was saying, um, yeah, yeah, let's just move on because I've kind of lost track of where I was going with it. It took me a little bit. I had to just like cut out a bunch of editing here, here and just, yeah, that there's the reason for that. So, Justice League's Zack Snyder's director's cut will worldwide release confirmed as the same day as the United States. Confirmed for H- the U.S. So, <clears throat> the long... So, the so let's see. Um, on Friday, however, Warner finally confirmed that fans will be able to see the version of the film that Zack Snyder released. It will be released the same day as worldwide, which will, re- will be released everywhere except China, France, and Japan. On Thursday, March 18th, the movie will be available on HBO Go in Europe and Asia and will also be available on POVOD, HBO and local TV outlets and other digital video options all on the same day. The release dates for China, Japan, and France are still being determined, so fans will have to wait a little bit longer just to to experience it. So yeah, Zack Snyder finally got what he wanted in this, so yeah, get ready for that. Like I said, I'm still excited for for Snack Snyder's version. And but um, let's get back to Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I spliced this part in various places because I just wanted to not focus, drag it down with just completely Mortal Kombat in the first part, and then just cut away from that. Uh, but uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, they so the director also commented in the IGN interview that the fatalities aren't just fan service, saying the fatalities were always written from the get go. There was never any question. Any, from anyone at all, there was no resistance from the studio. They warned them. I warned them. There's a fatality from Kano. He ripped someone's heart out. But what was important to me, that was even when the fatalities arrived, we couldn't just do a fatality in here and have me nothing. It actually becomes an important ingredient in its rhythm of the action. So, yeah. Yeah, so... <clears throat> It is going to be interesting when I see this. Uh, we'll probably get some more stuff coming out coming in this. I don't know if this is the last one. Um, I'm looking at my list, and yeah, it looks like uh, everything's currently ending on that. That looks to be the last one. And, but uh, who knows? There's a plenty of articles to go around. Um, but yeah. There's going to be a new Star Wars book that will see Palpatine reveal the secrets of the Sith. At heart, Star Wars is the story of the light battling the darkness and yada yada yada. So, as part of this big announcement, um, Lucasfilm has officially announced a story called Re- Secrets of the Sith, written by Mark Sumrek. Pretty sure I butchered that completely. And Palpatine will himself will serve as the reader's guide to the dark side of the Force as he explores everything from noble figures such as Darth Maul, Asaz Ventress, Kylo Ren, Darth Vader, through the Force, through to through the Force powers and abilities he suggests that many would consider to be natural. Book scheduled to come out in 2021 of August 3rd. So yeah, we have had stories where we delve deeper into the dark side of the Force. Mostly from a Jedi's perspective. They go ahead and mention how, like, Jedi versus Sith and Sith stories, when it comes to insider sources, it's more like it's told from a very powerful Jedi Master's perspective during a specific period in time. And he's saying that, oh, it's a very powerful holocron that only a Jedi Master with several of them must achieve to unlock. Well, you know, being corrupted. But now we get Palpatine's perspective on this, which would make him an unreliable narrator in some points. So, yeah, it's going to be a view of the Sith point of view. That's kind of interesting. And so, yeah. 
So Peter Jackson revealed that he had leaked, um, had deliberately leaked his his original two film script for Lord of the Rings as a way to get it away from Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. A new Polygon report reveals that Jackson intentionally leaked the two film script to, to the old movie website. Hey, ain't it cool? As a way to get the product some attention, Jackson indirectly made sure that the script got into the hands of writer Drew McCreeny, who wrote a review of the project's potential that, that caused the project to get attention. Eventually, to Jackson staying up to, Weinst- to the Weinsteins and getting the chance to pitch pitch the project to New Line Cinema. Writing in a tweet, he, so... Yeah, in a special account of it, uh, McQueen says this. Jackson had already had some contact with Ain't It Cool at that point, and there were many people within Wingna and Wida that were also who were also reaching out. They felt like they were creating something great, and they were worried they wouldn't be able to get to find the studio willing to step up, so a decision was made to leak the scripts to Ain't It Cool in a way that everyone could deny later. They didn't come directly from anyone, and no one ever really really officially asked us to cover them. So, if I was ever pressed, I can honestly say that it wasn't Peter or Fran. What's clear, though, is what I was given access to them so I could talk about what I thought the exact moment that the new line, new line was trying to make their decision. That leak may have affected the, affected the movie history in the more profound way than Jackson would have realized at the time as it allowed him to make the movies that have become classics and led to the final storm in the series The Return of the King to win 11 Academy Awards at the 2004 ceremony. Such as the ending popularity of the trilogy that 4K restores and refers to promote like a new release in Amazon's uh, upcoming Lord of the Rings series. He's have been given the biggest budget in TV history. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be seeing how that goes. Ghostbusters Afterlife has been officially rated PG-13 for supernatural action. Okay, that's pretty awesome. We'll have to see how good it is, though. More Justice League stuff that happened earlier this week, in the middle of this week. Uh, February 18th, uh, new Junkie XL soundtrack released by Zack Snyder. The song called, um, let me see again, The Crew at War, pa- at War Power from Zack Snyder's Justice League. A special singles from the album by Junkie XL, a.k.a. Tom Hulkenberg, where I listened to it several times and it was completely awesome. So, yeah, they came out with it, and they sent a preview out, and many people seem to be lauding it as positive ones. Along with that, Paddington 3 is in production. Yay! So, the film is officially in development. The the production company behind the first two films is currently developing the project through at present. There are no specifics to report. News of the third isn't entirely unexpected, as rumors have persisted for quite some time now regarding another sequel. However, the, 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 those rumors have been confirmed. Fans are planning to look forward to. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure all the cast members are coming back, probably, but we'll see. Speaking speaking of returning sequels, Matrix 4's actor, actor uh, Neil Patrick Harris, says Matrix 4 filming didn't feel like a blockbuster, saying... It didn't feel large because it felt like she she was in the, her sweet spot, which was filming on the fly, filming using natural light. Sometimes you sit around for an hour waiting for the clouds to clear, and then you quickly film. You film things at a time in 30 minutes, then be done. You would think that think that giant movie would be a 100% story mode, animatronic, animatics, and we'd be checking off shots. 
Hodge, I think she lived out before three times over. I would suspect that she wants to do things her own way now. It wasn't often that he felt that you were doing something gigantic because she didn't make it feel very intimate. Harris' revelation came as a surprise, especially since the Matrix 4 expected to be a big action film blockbuster in the same vein of the original three. But yeah, some people think he could be lying, but why not? But yeah, and Harris said about this, about how it felt intimate, about Lana Wachowski helming without her sister Lily for the first time in the franchise. We we'll often film on a fly using natural light. Okay, so that could be interesting. They're probably trying something a little bit different. Meanwhile, Black Adam has been cast has cast Aladdin's Marin Kanzaria uh, as the villain. Kandark. So yeah, this was the report by the Hollywood Reporter. I don't know what the villain is. Um. He will reportedly portray, according to the to the raps, Gonzalo Gonzalez per post on social media. I I I don't I, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know. Speaking of casting roles in denials, William Shatner has denied reports that he's in Star Trek Four, the upcoming film after Star Trek Beyond. William Shatner wrote on Twitter saying, clickbait story, I wouldn't bother putting any trusted articles that deal in rumors. When people asked about him if this is true. Last time he played Kirk was 1994 Star Trek Generations, which saw the original series cast members pass the baton to the next generation crew. And Captain Kirk died helping Captain Picard save a plan from a madman named Tully and Soren, seemingly ending Shatner's time in the franchise for good. There have been discussions over the years that are bringing Shatner back as Kirk in some way, but it's never quite worked out. I mean, I mean, like, you could be on long-term vacation and say you've been... Res- Wait, why can't you clone him? Couldn't you clone him and bring him back that way? He would have the memories and the experiences... So, can't you... It, wait, does Clooney exist in Star Trek? This is why I don't really watch Star Trek. I I don't know. I've never watched Star Trek that much. I've, I, I've tried. I have some movies. I have watched Wrath of Khan. Khan! That iconic movie. But I don't even know if Clooney even exists. Like, there's the Vulcan type of cloning. I did watch Star Trek 3, but... That's a bit the way they did that was a little bit different. How they revive people with the living with Genesis, yeah. So, the destruction of Movie Pass. Remember that Mark Wahlberg's produ- production company, Unrealistic Ideas, will chronicle the rise and fall of Movie Pass in a new documentary series. Parented by Helios and Methan Analytics, the subscription-based ticketing service Movie Pass launched in 2011, but didn't break into mainstream attention until 2017, when they lowered the prices to $9.95 a month. Well, then we all know how that thing went. Per deadline, a limited series docu-series based on the insider reporter Jason coverage of Movie Passes in the works. The docu-series will explore the business conception, offer first and accounts for Movie Pass users and employees, and discuss what led to the official bankruptcy in 2019. Speaking of about spikes in what side of the movie past sale, Unrealistic Ideas president Archie Gibbs said they built it from nothing, then they were told their services were no longer needed. So, yeah, they said that Movie Pass was intended to be the Netflix of movie theaters. However, the service strayed from its original intentions, ruled with controversy, inaccuracy, and laxity. 
Indeed, the movie passively caused more harm than good and resulted in arrival of many MC theaters. Indeed, the complex rise and fall of movie passes is an ideal subject matter for filmmakers to tackle and certainly offer a lot of viewers to unpack with in a limited docuseries. So, okay, that's pretty, pretty good. Also, uh, the last Airbender live-action series is going to report, reportedly has found a new showrunner. Um, the original Nickelodeon anime series, yeah, 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 we know about the show. Uh, when the original creators cut ties with them, everyone still helped the Avatar Last Endeavor series. Stood, it, there was hope. According to, the, according to a report, Albert Kim um, is set to replace the creators as showrunner. Kim's writing and producing credits include the Supernatural series Sleepy Hollow, CW's Action Flare and Nikita, and TNT's Drama High So Leverage. Okay. How do you like if they alter the characters completely fundamentally? I'm sure that will be... We'll be back after these messages. And we're back. So, yeah, what was that pause for I did that led to an advertisement other than for unnecessary filler? Um, yeah, uh, Katara will reportedly be older than Sokka in the last Airbender show. Why? So, yeah, in the original series, Katara is 14, Sokka is 15. In this new series, Katara will be the oldest at 16, and Sokka will be 14. Aang's age of 12 will remain the same. And additionally, the show will be structured differently with 10 one-hour long episodes as opposed to 20-30 minutes long episodes of the original first season. So, yeah, this points out that, yeah, the report, the articles go and mention how, yeah, the biggest problem change, like, where Asaka's character of sarcasm and goofiness will likely stay, his eldest son's feelings or responsibility for Katara and his family may not, Katara's, will prob Katara's motherly nature and responsibility may not change, but her strange relationship, finding her sense of duty might. The biggest probable change, however, is the romantic relationship between Aang and Katara, uh, that took three seasons. That took all three seasons to build. It is unlikely the show would maintain a relationship between a sixteen-year-old and twelve-year-old. Well, give up. We're done. We're done, everyone. We're done, everyone. <laughs> it was a good run. This was a good run. This was a good run. Not really. It went horribly wrong. Like when if you're not changing some of the characters. It, okay. Changing the ages, okay, fine. But considering how you're changing one character, a major character's age differently compared to the other character who she's supposed to have romantic interest with, make fans uncomfortable, probably, between a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old, it's... Oh, dear, this is so weird. Just thinking about it, it's already weird. In partial news, um, two years after Jessica Jones and the Punisher's cancellations at Netflix, the rights of these characters have been officially reverted back to Marvel Studios. Yep, the Jessica Jones and Punisher rights TV movie rights have been reverted back to Marvel. Well, so looks like they'll be joining the MCU down the road. Don't be surprised if they show up in the epic event Spider-Man Three. Because they have been indicating that Charlie Cox will show up as Daredevil and Matt Wilson. Matt Wilson. Uh, Matt Murdock, sorry, and they'll probably have other people show up like Doctor Strange and Electro and the other Spider-Man from the other multiverses because we gotta bring them in. 
Oh man, well, shouldn't that been like? Shouldn't they like not call Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness and just call it Multiverse of Madness? Because this is going mad, and Doctor Strange is just more like the central character because he's pretty much the other closest character besides Wanda that could really deal with the multiverse concept. Because Thanos is dead, the gods haven't shown up yet, the Eternals probably, but they're probably hiding or dead temporarily and on long-term vacation. So, yeah. So, turns out that, um... Abraham, the actress for Abraham from Walking Dead has revealed this. That The Walking Dead pays actors to not do convention appearances, says former star, former star, or Michael, Michael Clark, Cud, Abraham. So anyways, this is what he said. You get a little more each episode to not do X number of conventions because some people were doing them every weekend and it was interfering with the work schedule. It was wasn't like the top people. Norman Reedus wasn't doing that. His convention appearances were spaced out because they took a lot out of him. Took a lot out of him because he was a huge convention draw. It took a toll on him physically just doing that. But there were some people who were doing quite a bit. Yeah. So The Walking Dead paid people more not to go to conventions to stay and do filming okay that's gotta be a cheap way to get money so the upcoming just john constantine show hellblazer i i'm just calling it that because everyone calls him the hellblazer or because that's what his comic series has been known to be called the reboot series will reportedly be part of hbo max's justice league dark show HBO Max is set to become a huge platform of DC TV brand. For almost a decade, the CW was in several homes for it. But in a new report variety about the Constantine series, the outlet confirms that it will be part of the Justice League Dark series, which that likely means is that whoever gets cast as John Constantine will also star in the Ensemble series. Whether they will be a leading character or not remains to be seen. Since Constantine has been a member of the comics team since the group was created, he'll likely be one of the leading players. Uh... Variety also confirms that the initial report that the show will focus less on Constantine's comics religious parts and more on the horror aspect. The show will be the second Constantine TV show made following the short-lived NBC series starring Matt Ryan, who currently plays the role in the Arrowverse shows. While it was almost a given that Constantine would tie into Justice League Dark, it's still positive to hear that confirmed for many people. It does, but yeah, so... I'm all for John Constantine, mostly because I like Zatanna, and I would like to see her be portrayed accurately on live action, since we haven't seen a live action version of her since Smallville, I think. But, yeah, and they are developing a movie for her in the DCU, I think, so that's going to be interesting. Also, speaking of the DCTV, CW has announced that The Flash's Jay Garrick will appear in Stargirl Season 2. John Wesley Snipe is confirmed to appear in Season 2 of Stargirl, well as the Golden Age Flash. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> so in a report, as reported by Entertainment Weekly, Jay Garrick by John Wesley Snipe, the CW revealed that he will appear in the ninth episode of Stargirl, Battle Season 2, in part of a pivotal flashback episode focusing on the original GSA. So, yeah, we don't know whether or not this will be retroactively changed version of Snipe's Earth 3J remains to be seen, and as he hasn't appeared in Earth Prime post crisis, however, Entertainment does describe that this will establish him as an official being a Golden Age Flash of Earth 2, something that the universe didn't have before. So, yeah, Jay Garrick is coming back. Uh, 
I kept wondering, like, so he, he so like, there's like two Wesley Snipes. One is the TV Flash era, and now we got Jay Garrick Flash. Yeah, I bet that was confusing. <laughs> yeah. So the canceled Dinosaur Planet Rares canceled N64 game has leaked online, right? Which I'm pretty sure Nintendo's pissed about. So, yeah, the game that was supposed to be for the N64, Dinosaur Planet, which ended up being repurposed into GameCube's as Star Fox Adventures, has leaked online and is fully playable. Forest of Illusions on Twitter released the files to Dinosaur Planet and shared some screenshots of the games that could be featured on Star Fox's Fox McCloud. Yipes, I'm pretty sure some people are pissed. Expect Nintendo to respond very quickly. So... Yeah. Diablo 2 Resurrection Resurrected has been announced for PSC for PC, PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. As part of the big event as part of the um <clears throat> Let me find the article again. I, I lost it. So yeah, the Diablo 2 Resurrected is coming back. Diablo 2 Resurrected has been announced. Uh, and here's the thing. I'm worried about this announcement because we saw we were hyped for Reforge. We all a lot of people were hyped for Warcraft 3 Reforged, and look how that turned out. That pissed everyone the hell off. So Yeah, and then Blizzard. And then with Blizzard going ahead making more announcements, they have announced that they may make a World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lynch King classic if it's the if it's what the community wants. Saying we're we set the stage even and when we announced Classic, that was one of the questions I got on that fateful day of BlizzCon. At that point, we already had plans, but we did want to see how popular Classic was going to be. I think we were said multiple times, but we were completely all around with how much positive reception we got. Not only did they come in droves to play Classic, but they already continued to play, and it's the vibrant community. We bragged that we have the two biggest MMORPGs of gaming. Of course, we would go to Burning Crusade, which did come out. So they are saying that Lynch King will happen if fans want it, and considering how big the community is... Yeah, I think it's coming. Also at BlizzCon, it was announced that an arcade collection would be announced with enhanced Lost Vikings and more. <clears throat> Lost Vikings, Blackthorn, Rock and Roll Racing. So these are all three games in Definitive Mode. Also unlocks new localization translations in various languages. So, yeah. So this will contain... Those three games, and that's about it, both in the original editions and the newly announced definitive editions. And also, as gaming continues to go crazy, Hideo Kojima is writing a book about his creative process. And it's been titled, according to Viz Media, uh, due for fall 2021, called The Creative Gene. And it focuses on exploring Kojima's artistic influences and inspirations. So, yeah, I'm pretty hyped for that. Um... <laughs> Kojima is kind of a crazy guy at times, mostly because he's a guy who wanted to be a movie guy, but then turned into a gaming guy, but wasn't really an expert in programming, but at the same time you think, well, he doesn't know any of this, but like he's good at ideas, but in the gaming industry, it was a little bit different than coming up in a movie, like, yeah... Also, um, Epic and Apple's lawsuit looks like it's going to drag in Valve, but Valve is resisting it. Yeah. 
It's going to be dragged into the antitrust lawsuit as court documents reveal the company has been subpoenaed by Apple for Steam commercial data, but Valve is pushing back. A joint letter from Apple and Valve has been submitted to the court, which take talks about Apple's attempts to retrieve data from Valve. Both Apple says that Epic's various mobile and non-mobile distribution options are certainly central to disputed issues of market definition and of market power. As a result, Apple wants to look at Valve's data, in, data to inform its case, given that it is one of the three distribution options. Oh, God. So, yeah, Valve does not... Saying Valve says that it would be an overwhelming amount of work to produce even one item as part of the data request. One of Apple's specific requests was asked Valve to identify dates on sales, plus the price and every price change of 436 games that, that both Epic Games Store and Steam from 2015 to present day. Ultimately, they said Apple's overboard demands imposed too heavily a burden on the non-party, and that the company has not shown substantial need for the information it wants. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's problematic. And the developer uses the name... A developer using the name Very Positive on Steam has gotten banned by Steam. So, they have had their account banned and their game delisted from the platform with Steam accusing them of manipulating reviews as reported by Vice. The crowd to use as Dunless due to the proximity of the developer text to the recent reviews text when looking at the game on Steam. Uh, the anonymous developer of Emoji Evolution told Vice... He's saying, I know that the publisher developer name is located really close to the reviews and has the same color. I decided to use it for purposes, for my purposes. It's set, having very positive reviews on your game and will no doubt influence whether the users will click on it and consider purchasing it. And for less eagle-eyed, it could quite easily trick people into thinking the game was well-received when in actuality the reception was mixed. Oh, dear. Valve has banned my developer. Absolutely account due to review manipulations and absolutely degree, disagree with the statement the developer told Vice Ace, and the person wrote it on Twitter. They followed up with I will contact the support to clarify Steam's position on very, on very positive developer and so on and so forth. So drama, 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 drama. And GameStop's stock's biggest success story testifies before Congress. So yeah, this is just outright madness, isn't it? See, all this GameStop talk, and I still am trying to get my head around it. Like five, six TV movies being produced all around this over a two-week period? What, did someone die in the process? I'm like, I know someone donated their, monies, their money to Nintendo Switches to give to charity, which was awesome. But, yeah, it's just insane how much this is going Involving stock market manipulation and all that. Thank God I am not in the stock market. So, uh, in somewhat pop culture news, because people are making jokes about it, NASA's Perseverance rover has successfully landed on Mars. And they have found nothing but the desert. But the red desert of Mars. And it's getting to work on the Red Planet, and they're currently revolving, rovering around the planet, showing films and verse pictures it sent. Yeah. Saying that if you were one of the 10.9 million people who submitted your name to NASA back in March of last year, your name is on board the Perseverance and roving around Mars right now. 
You are part of history. You hear me? History. Also, remember the Saudi prince? Yeah, we remember him in WWE and his affiliation. Well, he's invested more about, um, let's see. So these invest, the investments of 14.9 million, 7.4 million, and 3.9 million shares. There's the total value of these shares between the three companies is over $3 billion. There's, so the shares is that the prince has sold his blood money to EA, Activision, and Take-Two. Yeah, part of his cataloging of investments. Um, I am no expert on this, but if I was the crown prince and I probably would operate a little bit differently than an oppressive government over its people and treating women as second-class citizens because they just recently got to drive a few years back, I probably would take that $3 billion and use it to, you know, make our country better, help increase security, increase uh, development and and cultivating the land, uh, taking advantage of our expensive oil that we keep producing from oil fields and hopefully not start wars that could bring about destruction to that oil field and therefore gouging gas prices to the extreme. You feel you feel me here? Yeah. There's also going to be another set of updates in season two of Black Ops Cold War and Warzone, introducing new zombie experiences, two new zombie outbreak experiences, four new operators, six new weapons, and new multiplayer maps. The zombie experiences are expected is the next chapter of the Dark Aether, so- Aether Saga, which will see players travel deep into Russia right, in the new Outbreak Adventure. The description reads as Requiem. <coughs> Sorry, my voice got deep. <coughs> Man, I take too much time with deep voices. As Requiem continues to fall behind on arms rates against Omega Group, various regions of the Earl Mountains, and as I recently become Dark Ether outbreak sites with new opportunities to research the Arc Ether and advance Requiem's agenda, it's up to you and three fellow agents to complete the deadly experience if you have survived. Treyarch's new large-scale zombie experiences promises new enemies, objectives, rewards, intel, with mission including tracking down enemies via satellite tracker, escorting a rover to find dimensional portals, and most of all, which will be completed before X-Fell, or players can risk entering a dark ether portal to a new region for even more rewards. Activision promises more details on Outbreak in the coming days. Yeah, I don't play Call of Duty that much anymore. I kind of give up on it. Especially when everything went crazy with the swatting era, and oh god, that was a nightmare. Like, I quit because I was too paranoid at the time. And Activision continued to refuse to evolve the game, only only made things worse. I think the last time I played it was Modern Warfare Reboot, but I just only played the story. I just wasn't that interested in the multiplayer aspect. So. There are apparently multiple Silent Hill games projects in the work could be in the works by third-party developers, according to speculation stirred by comments by the medium from the medium developer Bluebird Team, as well as a report from Video Game Chronicles. Also, in an interview with Game Industry Biz, is Bluebird said to be working on another horror IP with a very famous publisher. Fans have started speculating about bringing two bits of news here that Bluebird Team might be working on a new Silent Hill project. 
We've been working with more than a year of another gaming project and a horror IP, and we're doing this for a very famous gaming publisher. Um, if by famous you mean was famous and then became utterly infamous because of how things went with them? Yeah. VGC sources told the publication that Konami, the publisher, has already outsourced Silent Hill project to a prominent Japanese developer and that it will be revealed this summer. If accurate, the, along with the speculation surrounding Bloober Team, then multiple Silent Hill projects could seemingly be in the works. It's important to note that Blue, the idea of Bloober Team working on Silent Hill game isn't confirmed and is more speculative than that fans are putting the comments and reports of multiple Silent Hill projects together to create this theory. So... Yeah, and especially the composer recently hinted that what may took to be a hint of a new game in the franchise, saying you'll probably hear something in the summer to be announced, and that he thinks it's one of the guys you've been hoping to hear about. So, considering that there's a timeline here, uh, yeah, I, I went, it's easy to understand and believe that theory. Also, another big scoop came from Inverse.com. Denny Elfman will team up with longtime collaborator Sammy Ra Sam Raimi to score Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, pretty cool to see them get back together. Though, wasn't Danny Elfman the, the composer for Justice Sleep by Warner Brothers? That, that was, oh yeah. Oh man. Achieve of all video games being created by Embracer Group. Embracer Group, which owns a number of video game studios, including Gearbox, Volition, and 4A Games, is creating a comprehensive video game archive with plans to include every video game ever made. Okay, that's insane. Saying, uh, an archive for all video games has been acquiring several significant collections from private collectors in Europe over the past year. Uh, I am a collector of art. It currently holds 50,000 pieces, including games, consoles, peripherals, and arcades, many of which are described to be extremely well and will take decades to complete. Well, considering the gaming industry is fast-moving, it probably you might as well just give up and say it's going to take centuries or eons. And by then, we'll probably blow ourselves up by then, so it's basically a passion project that will never be fulfilled, sadly. I am the destroyer of dreams. Aren't I just adorably evil? The project is spearheaded by Thomas Sunhead, co-author of a book concerning the history of Swedish video game development, and, and they're saying that they also act as a complete reference library for the benefit of the group. You're insane. Also, big controversy has happened. Facebook has chosen to block all Australian international news feeds from Australian users as the company escalates its opposition towards a new proposed law that would require tech companies to pay for journalism they display. They saying the proposed law fundamentally misunderstands the relationship between our platform and publishers who use it to share news content. Claim Facebook Austria and New Zealand MD William Eastern in a statement published this morning, Google searches in intrinsically intertwined with news and publishers and do not voluntarily provide their content. On the other hand, publishers willingly choose to post news on Facebook as it allows them to sell more subscriptions, grow their audiences, and increase advertising revenue. Yeah, so everyone's kind of pissed at entirely. So, yeah, that's pretty pretty gruesome. CJ Project Red has announced they're using DMCA takedowns to slow the spread of the stolen source code. My God, I'm like, it's already being charged from billions. So, yeah, an unleashed, unreleased version of Witcher 3, the source code to Cyberpunk, which probably includes the, quote, director's cut that was that was made, but they realized it wouldn't work because it would completely eradicate the consoles. So, yeah. 
Now we cut to the comic book world. After 29 years at DC Comics, Vince Latina Letterino joins Dynamite Comics. Yeah, he was let go as part of the DC bloodbath across the board, and they have announced that they are hiring second DC Comics lifter Vince, who was let go by the comics of publishing as director of publishing operations after 28 years and 10 months. Donovan has now managed to pick, him up, pick up all that experience for the, piece of one employee, for the price of one employee. His new role will be as director of direct market sales, with nearly four years as a prominent figure in the business. His experience is unmatched by many. He will start managing the historic New Jersey-based retailer, Steve's Comic Relief, for a decade. He went on to almost state running nine years of D.C., bolstering their connections to retailers and expanding their publishing initiatives. Don has also had a bit of a rough year. This hire may very well help in turning that around. Vince wrote, I'm thrilled to be joining the talented team and creators. It was Diamond and we're excited to be working with them in the fine direct re- market retails and Diamond Comic distribution- Distributors. With my experience not only as on the publisher side, but with retails and creators, it will be, be exciting to reconnect with many old friends and make even more from this new position. And, and Diamond's pretty happy they got him, so props. So, the Department of Truth is said to be apparently beginning a TV series. So, yeah, the Hollywood Reporter confirmed this, saying, and ran the news saying that Elizabeth Murdoch, Stacy Snyder, Snyder, not Zack Snyder, the name like S N I D E R, and Jane Featherstone picked up the series onto the sister banner with options of both film and television, and that the the artist and cr- the creator, the team collaborative team of James Tyrion the Four and Simmons are reported to UTA, who brokered the deal in a competitive environment involving ten bidders. You so, yeah, I've been enjoying the hell out of Department of Truth, so I really am looking forward to this. Tom McFarlane has announced the Spawn's universe. Launching four new comics, Pop Todd McFarlane, McFarlane and announced his plans to create a greater multi-character interconnected comic book universe based on his Spawn comic at the Retail Summit, Comics Pro. His day goal is to establish a f- fictional shared universe in, t- in, the, over, uh, <coughs> in the vein of what other comic industry giants, Marvel and DC, have accomplished with their comic book universes. As part of his announcement, McFarlane announced four new titles coming out of 2021, with three of them continuing on as regular monthly titles, meaning that there would be an opportunity for fans to spawn fans of the Spawn character in this new expanding world to get their stories on a weekly basis instead of just 12 months to a year. There. In June, in what McFarlane is calling 2021, the year of Spawn, comic retailers will be able to order Spawn Universe Number 1, a book that will set a stage with, with a story that will then spill out into other monthly two titles. The first of which is published called King Spawn Number One, and in August, in October comes the Gunslinger Spawn, and, and a book, and, and that book titled The Scorched. McFarlane said, "The simple question is this: DC Comics started a shared universe in the late 1930s. Marvel Comics began theirs in the 1960s. So, can lightning strike a third time beginning in 2021? I personally do not have the answer to that question right now, but the other way to get the answers to questions is to make the attempt in the first place." So, yeah, I just want to point out that Valiant Universe exists. So, this is like, what? Wait, and then there's AWA Universe uh, of Resistance. So, that's like the fifth shared universe. Oh, wait, there's also Hasbro's shared universe they've been doing. So, this is the sixth shared universe in comics. Except that Valiant is, just the, thir- is the third big name. It's the big three. 
Marvel, DC, and Valiant. Meanwhile, TC Comics has announced new things regarding the free confirms of free comic book day at Comics Pro, along with some other details. A new Deathstroke Incorporated series, our Harley Quinn anime series sequel. Again, I'm confused about that. A Wonder Woman 80th anniversary title, an Elseworld, DC Vampires. I'm pretty sure Elseworld is going to be that plant, is going to be that new multiverse concept they're doing with the Omniverse. Robin and Batman, because, you know, we need more Batman books. Joker, a puzzle box. I must retort, this is again in a Batman related title. The Legend of Batman. Really? Crush and Lobo. The main man and his daughter are going to raise hell unlike the anything you have ever seen. Nubia and the Amazons. Oh, the Amazons are finally getting more expansion. DC Middle Ages. There will be more forthcoming about this in the year, later in the year, throughout this year. Earth Spears also confirmed that DC will be participating in Company Comic Book Day, but details of their specific titles will be revealed at a later date. So, get ready for that, everyone. Along with DC Comics, they've announced variant covers for Justice League 59, inspired by Zack Snyder's Justice League. One written, one drew by Jim Lee that showcases the Martian Manhunter for the first time and what he looks like. So, get ready for that. Liam Sharp and... I can't... Lee Benjamin... Ben, the guy who wrote, who who draws artwork that fits more for horror stories than actual superhero comics, but that's just my opinion. So let's get to two wrestling pieces before we get to our big surprise news. John Moxley wanted to team up with Brody Lee and thought a S.H.I.E.L.D. Wyatt family mashup would have been cool. Speaking with Metro.com... .co.uk, the former AEW champion, revealed that he stores lots of ideas in his mind for later, and one of those was to make a run in the tag division. Prior to joining the WWE, Moxley was a being a member of the Shield, and then said this, I had an idea eventually. One day, I liked a tag team wrestling, you know, and there's so many great tag teams there that I want to get to work with, but it's like, okay, I'm going to need a suitable partner, not just any random guy. I want a full, actual good tag team run with a good partner. Make a real run at having a bit run in this tag division. The guy I was thinking of was Brody Lee. He was a good friend, and I wrestled him so many millions of times. Our styles would have complimented each other very well. You would want somebody who compliments you. Maybe they do things you don't do, and vice versa. I thought a Shield Wyatt family mashup super team would have actually been a really cool tag team. Me and Brody could have really gone up mm, rampage as a team. Man, there was, a, the, actually, here's the thing about that. There was actually a push once upon a time to have the S.H.I.E.L.D. and Wyatt family mash up. Remember in 2013, Bray Wyatt attacked Punk and Daniel Bryan, saying, The devil made me do it! Yeah, they never followed through who the devil was, but reports and documents came out, I believe, that confirmed that, yes, this was going to be Triple H. The authority were the devils that were controlling the Wyatts. And it was going to lead to this whole conflict of interest with the S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Wyatts. Leading to what could have been another way to do the Wyatt family S.H.I.E.L.D. feud. It would have been a mock. It would have been more of a, let's quote, homage to the Ministry of Darkness and the higher power being the corporate leader. Oh, man. So... Yeah, would it have been interesting to see the Wyatt and Shield team up a little bit more than what we got with their two-time two-time partnership? Yeah, it would have been actually cool. I actually could make it work. I actually have cooked up ideas in my fan fiction series regarding the Wyatt and Shield teaming up into a deadly alliance, pun intended. But yeah, 
And that's all we're going to get now since Brody passed away. Rest in peace, man. Rest in peace, Brody. And I still say F. Bruce, Bruce Mitchell and anyone who thinks it was a conspiracy cover-up. So Sammy Zane went on an interview and said this. So it was right on everybody's mind. It was super, super fresh. And I think they had just announced this TV deal talking about the AEW moment where he he revealed that that this uncensored former asked about AEW was surprised that nobody said that. At, regarding the electric chair in which a personality would be asked unfiltered questions from the audience while staring in an electric, electric chair er, saying they had just announced this thing about a pay-per-view Sammy continues saying this is going to be a competitor and all this sort of stuff and they tell me we're doing this segment where it's legitimately you know unplanned questions and anybody could ask anything so at this time this was a number one topic in the wrestling world so you kind of expected to be asked that but not only did no one answer the questions, askers broached the topic of AEW. Zane found the risky segment to be completely lifeless otherwise. They say, as I was out there, I was like, this doesn't have these vibes. These questions are too sterile. So I felt like it was upon me, it was incumbent of me, upon me, to sort of make it controversial. And the fact that we're talking about it now, all this time, you know, I hate to say I was right, but I kind of think I was right to do it. And, yeah. Sami Zayn says... As, you could have asked me anything. You could have asked me about AEW. <gasps> and everyone, and Corey Graves looked, um, is he supposed to say that? He can't say that, right? So, yeah, he's saying mentioned AEW by name and to palpable shock and unnecessary attention to the other brand, much to Vince's anger. Saying this, so it wasn't entirely entirely off the cuff, but it was off the cuff to a certain degree. The reaction was, uh, let's say, unfavorable since the electric man's demise that very same week. Oh yeah, that story where Sami Zayn was blamed for all that. Now, there's a contradiction to that Sami Zayn statement. He could honestly be lying through his teeth in this interview. Because he has a gun pointed to his head by Vince. Because Vince likes to think he's that totalitarian ruler. But there were reports that come out that contradict this statement that he makes now. Back then it was reported that, oh, the questions being sterile, those were planted audience. We just didn't tell Sammy. We gave him a script to follow and he followed it. Oh, and the AEW mentioned, you see, uh, we wanted to be, Vince came up with that because he wanted the segment to be edgy and whatnot. And look what that comes with. When I heard that, I was like, yep, he's screwed. Because let's be real, there were two, there were three results that were going to happen with this. One, AEW was going to get publicity from this because that was clearly free publicity for them. It increased search engine results and people were looking it up and to be told, hey, this is the alternative than your crappy WWE programming. You want to check it out? And then they'll be tempted to buy the pay-per-view just for curiosity's sake because it's just one show. They cannot do it again. And, and that led to rumors and reports coming out according to Forbes that Double or Nothing surpassed that WrestleMania interest hype. In terms of ticket sales, at least. Like, there were so many people wanting to get tickets that it literally surpassed WrestleMania size. Which is pretty telling, but sadly, they, they probably wish they could have made the stadium invented like that. But that that's just an accusation by Forbes. I don't know if that was true or not, but it was pretty awesome to hear that. To hear that has, that's how much hype was going on. And second of all, 
even if Sammy says, oh, it was my idea. We all know where this was going. It was Vince's idea. He thought saying that would mean we're edgy. See, we're cool. We can be hip. We can be in with the crowd. And then when he realized it, and number three would be Sammy Zayn was going to take the fall for Vince's stupidity. And what do you know? It was reported that Sammy would take the fall, even though it was Vince's dumb idea to give Flay publicity. Because he's a dumbass. A very moronic one, but still a dumbass. So yeah, Vince, you can stop blaming everyone else for your ideas. Because that's not how the world works. I like it kind of does, because you could just blame someone else for your mistakes, but everyone will immediately hate your guts or call you out on your amoral attitude, like your war on third parties being a completely pointless war. You know, for kids! Because we're a Be A Star campaign, right? We're still doing that. And last but not least to end this week of news, Jennifer Lawrence is rumored for John Watch's Fantastic Four. Now this is to take with a very small grain of salt, but it's been reportedly saying that Jennifer Lawrence has been cast in the upcoming reboot. However, this comes off from the Daily Mail, which isn't one of the best sources. There's no solid confirmation on casting as of yet, but the film is gearing up to start pre-production. However, it won't be for a while. Instead, the filming can start production in Australia, which has become a new up for films. Marvel Studio has several films and series of productions, so, now, so they could add Fantastic Four to that. From the looks of it, she could, emphasis could, play Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman, but there isn't any concrete evidence. She's no stranger to Marvel, to the Marvel Universe and comics, since she played Mystique and left the franchise once Marvel Studios bought the company, bought the company and everything, aka Disney. So, yeah... Some people were very mixed about that. Um, people were pointing out like, oh, well, she won't be wearing makeup, so she's perfectly all right. She won't have to feel like she's a queen or anything. Um, I don't know exactly the full details, but I did kept hearing the continuing revolving theme that Jennifer Lawrence was specifically asking for less makeup usage because she has a skin condition that causes irritation with it, which can honestly be a pain for people. So, is that really Jennifer's fault, or is it just biology's fault? I'm like, I can also say it's the production company's fault and say, hey, wait, so you want someone, Mystique, to be a central character in all this. Why just find someone else that resemb- that could handle the makeup? Like, I know it's Jennifer Lawrence, and she was doing big things with the Hunger Games, but come on. I think you can sell for... Finding someone else to play Jennifer, to play Mystique instead of, you know, just digitizing it. Like, or you could digitize the whole makeup process and just, and just, and just learn, move the whole, whole makeup process. Because CGI technology is like that these days. But yeah, that, that was my biggest issue. Like, I know some people say, oh, she didn't want to wear it because she's arrogant at that time. But I was like, she also, but wasn't it also said she has a skin condition, skin irritation issue when it came to that heavy makeup playing Mystique? So you kind of had to tick your bowels on that. That's just my two cents on that. But like, yeah, that's what Neo Neo Reality Collective brings. A collective opinions on various pop culture stuff. Which we're going to end this, end this week's final episode on. And we'll see you all next week. Stay tuned, everybody. Take care. And I'll see you all next time. And sorry for these weird, these weird cuts and everything. Like I said, 
power there was an alarm breaking out because someone accidentally opened the door when it's not supposed to and so on and so forth but let's hope that doesn't happen again in subsequent episodes take care everyone be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on youtube channels such as neo reality entertainment nre the wrestleverse and nre pop culture omniversa